Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is week one of a brand new series. If you have not been here, we literally went through, gosh, we had a great summer. We went through the book of Joshua. We did actually a study on the Ten Commandments. We just did a series um, called Reasonable Doubt. And now we're just kind of heading into the fall, but there was something on my heart, and I just felt like it was really, really timely to do it right now. This is a series that has actually been earmarked for probably two years, and I've been waiting for like the perfect moment to slide it in. I'm like, bam, this is it. I'm going to finally get to do this series. Everybody say guardrails. Um, how many of you appreciate guardrails? You like, you like guardrails? I, let, let's ask a different question. How many of you like driving through the mountains? You like like, it, aren't mountain, and we're about to go into fall, and the leaves are going to change color, and it's so beautiful. I remember as a kid, my mom and grandma would want to, let's just go drive through the mountains, because we live pretty close to the mountains, and we just go off for rides and whatever. And so, um, but I had this really cool experience not too long ago. I was hanging out with my in-laws, and um, I, I kind of hope that they don't listen to this message. Um, but I was, I was with my in-laws. Do you remember this, babe? We're driving up in the mountains with your dad and with Linda. And, and we're hanging out, and, and how many of you get nauseous when you drive through the mountains and you're kind of close to the edge? I had never seen this before. Like, I always grew up liking the mountains, uh, but my mother-in-law does not like the mountains because when you drive close to the edge and you can see down and you see how far, she would get nauseous and it would just flip her. Jerry, slow down. What are you doing? Like, she'd be like, oh, my God, Jerry. And so... She just would lose her mind and then like go into almost like a panic mode of like flipping out. And then I think your dad, to have a little fun with her, really shake the wheel just, just a little bit like, oh, Jerry. And so I never, I never. So that was the first time I realized like, wow, man, like now I will admit, though, like I like some guardrails when I'm up in the mountains like when you're up in the mountains and you look down and you see it just straight down and if that you ever do that where you're like i think the car would do this and you kind of envision what would happen to the car and and you know you, when you're up in the mountains you appreciate guardrails and that's typically where guardrails are right like when we think about guardrails they usually show up in about three different areas one of the ways that you see guardrails is on like that that sharp curve you know you need a guardrail because some morons not driving the speed limit, goes too fast, he's going to go through mountains, you're going around that curve, you want a guardrail, that's, that's, that's curves is one of them. The other one is like the median. How many know like when, when we're going 70 this way and they're going 70 the other way, you want a little protection there. Like that's just, you know, you'd prefer to have a little bit of a guardrail, not even for you sometimes, for other people, because you're not a bad driver, are you? Has anybody ever admitted and said, you know, I'm just a terrible driver? No, we all think we're fantastic drivers. We think everybody else is terrible. So medians, that's where we find them. Or what's the other area? Bridges. Like when you're going over a bridge, you have this kind of, you know, thing there to keep you. Because when you're over a bridge, you're clearly high up in the air, usually over water or something maybe. And you, don't, you, you want a guardrail. And so a guardrail, just for practical terms and purposes, we'll define it. A guardrail is just a system of fences designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. So are we all, we're all on the same page. Everybody knows what the guardrail is, right? And, and nobody, like, because here's one of the things about guardrails that when you think about them, guardrails are not actually in the danger zone, are they? Because that would be dumb. That would be pointless to put the, the guardrail in the danger zone. The guardrail's not in the danger zone. It's in the safe zone. It's to prevent you from getting into 
the danger zone, right? So you got to put it in a safe, because you, technically you could drive there and be okay. You could, but you're just getting closer and closer to the danger. And the idea is this, if you're, if you're taking notes from your skin and we're talking about guardrails, is that the damage done by hitting a guardrail is minor when compared to what you would have hit had it not been there. You ever driven uh, Highway 17 like you're going to Santa Cruz? Man, is that thing banged up or what? When you look at that center median guardrail, it's like, man, because everybody wants to fly through 17. It's so curvy, and that thing is just gashed all up. But, 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 we would say it's better to have a gash than to die. You're right? I mean, that's, I guess that's that. It'd be better to have a gash than to have a head-on collision or to fall off the cliff or anything like that. It'd be better to, like, have a gash than to fall off the bridge into the water. We all admit that. And so what I want to get you to see is this, is that... Guardrails serve an incredible purpose in our normal, natural lives, but, everybody say, but, what I want to do is over the next few weeks is talk to you about how they actually serve a purpose in your personal lives. So I don't want just a physical guardrail for when you're driving. I want to hopefully over these few weeks establish personal guardrails in your personal life and your situation on the different arenas of life so that you don't fall into crazy land. So you don't fall out and make a mess of your life, totally blow it, totally mess everything up, totally throw everything down the drain. And and, and here's the other thing that we'll see about guardrails too, is that guardrails direct and protect, don't they? I mean, isn't that the point? So what I want to do is not just have guardrails for your car, and that's, that's good. Jerry, you know, you don't want that in your life. What you want is, though, is you want something to kind of move your life in the right direction and protect you from going off the cliff's edge, right? That, that, you, know, you, you know what the worst guardrail I ever saw was? Um, somebody invited me to go play Pebble Beach, and I got to go play Pebble Beach, which is a, a, an incredible opportunity. It's like a, a historic golf course. It's a bucket list golf course, and um, there was something really weird, though. There's a hole. Um, I think it's like the number eight hole, and the number eight hole, the way it works is this, is that you, you hit to like a blind landing zone because it's elevated up above you. So you're just hitting up to this area and you're just kind of hitting it as far as you can hit it. But when you drive your golf cart up there, if you don't know the course, this is, this is the way it works, there's a cliff up there. So you're driving your golf ball as close to the cliff as you can get it because your next shot is over, like there's, there's this water that comes in. You're hitting your next shot over a cliff, over a ravine where kind of the ocean can come in over to the green. So you want to get it as close as you can to this. And I, I remember, I'm with my buddies. We're all out there. We got our golf carts. And we're driving up. And now I knew there was a cliff there. And I'm like, I get closer and I get closer and I get closer. You know what the guardrail was at Pebble Beach? It was a stick that was probably about two feet tall and then a little rope dangling. So like two, two feet dangling rope. And it was like, it was just, it was just a little rope. And I was like... This seems really dangerous. Like, golfers aren't the sharpest people in the world. Sometimes we're not paying attention. Sometimes we're angry. We're not, we're not totally focused all the time. And, and I walked up to the edge of this cliff, and it's like, I don't know, it feels like 60, 70, 80 feet in the air. And it's straight down and a bunch of rocks underneath. Like, you're going to die. And I'm like, in between me and death, you got a stick and a rope. Like... And, and, and my point is this, is that sometimes in life, there are really, really good guardrails, right? And then there's some pathetic guardrails that really don't do anything or work for your life. Can I, can I get an amen? 
Because here's why. If, if I talk to you today and over the next few weeks about setting personal guardrails in your life, here's what you need to know. I just need to prepare you before we even get into it. Is that when you start to establish guardrails in your life, people might pick at you a little bit. Like if you go to work and you establish some personal guardrails and some personal boundaries about what you will and won't do or what ethical boundaries you will and won't cross, you, they're going to look at you and think you're kind of square. They're going to look at you and think you're kind of weird. If, if I start talking to you about having like boundaries or guardrails when it comes to you and your sexual purity, I mean, people at school, people around you, they're going to think you're a square, that you're, you're, you're a fuddy-duddy, you're all these things, because here's what you need to know. Culture does not celebrate guardrails. You ever notice this? Now, but we know this, though. They love to um, kick you as soon as you go over the cliff's edge, though, don't they? So it's like, hey, guardrails, you're a nerd, you're a square, you're, you're a fuddy-duddy, you're a religious person for having guardrails. But watch, as soon as you make a mess of your life, they're quick to throw you under the bus. Just look at the media and look at how they treat people that, that are celebrities or sports people or whatever. It's like they'll go along in their lives and as soon as they make a major mistake, they will immediately just crush those people. Why? Because when people fall off the edge, we don't mind beating them up and crushing them. But, if, but at the same time, we... We make fun of them for having guardrails. You're in kind of a no-win situation. So I want to prepare you for that. And here's the other thing, too. I just want you to get, get in your mind how culture thinks about guardrails. Because when I talk about guardrails, I'm not talking about culture's guardrails. Because they don't have real guardrails. Like a real guardrail is like metal and wood. And you hit it, or cement, you hit it, and you're, you're bouncing back. Does that make sense? Culture's guardrails is a stick and a rope. You can hit it, but you're still going over. Does that make sense? So let me give you some examples, just so you know what I'm talking about here, so we're all on the same page. We're not even getting into the Bible just yet. I'll get there in just a second. But like this is a guardrail um, type idea. But again, the cultural mode of guardrail, like when it comes to like alcohol. Think about what, what does the culture communicate to you when it talks about alcohol? Drink responsibly. Isn't that like, that's not a guardrail. That's a slogan. That's a suggestion. And then like, when do you know when you've crossed the line? Because my bet is, is that as soon as you've crossed the line, you're already irresponsible. Like, I, we're talking about sexual purity. Um, like in, in, in cultural terms, like having a guardrail would be like, hey, wait until you're ready. Well, the problem with that is that's not a guardrail. Well, how do I know when I'm ready? Are you ready? Every teenage boy I've ever met was ready. I'm ready. You ready? And you get a teenage girl with a teenage boy, they're both ready. Immediately, they're ready. Like, that is just, I feel ready. You feel ready? You're gonna, you, as, as a parent, you're going to go to your kids and like, do you feel ready? I don't know. Maybe I'll know in the moment. It's not a guardrail. It's a thought, and it's not even a good one. Here's another one. Like, like parents, here's another thought. Like, hey, here's, this, here's the cultural suggestion. Hey, talk to your kids about drugs. That's not a guardrail. That's a step. It's not a guardrail. That's not going to prevent anything necessarily. It's just a step. It's just something that you do. Here's another one. We talk about money. Hey, you know what? Consolidate your debts. That's not a guardrail. That's what you do after you're in debt. That didn't prevent you from getting into debt. That's what you do after you're in debt. That's a rope and a stick. Maybe. There's no cement there. There's no concrete. There's no steel. There's no metal. There's nothing there. So when I talk about guardrails, I'm talking about something that as you get close to it, as you bump up against it, it gets your attention. 
As you bump it up to it, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, 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 put it this way. I want you to establish something in your personal life that when you bump up against it, something in your conscience goes off. Something inside of you says, whoa, 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 now I'm too far. Whoa, 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 now I can tell I'm getting close to the... It's not that you're in danger, it's that you're getting too close to where danger might eventually be. And what I want you to do is, is this, to establish something in your conscience that you bump up next to and it alerts you or it, it warns you. And here's why, anybody with any age to them, so like anybody with any age to them would, would be cheering me on right now because we're always... Your deepest regrets in life came because at some point you went over the edge and there was no guardrail to prevent you. Like, so, so like this is to help you. This is to set you up for success. This is to bless you. I'm probably not going to get like a lot, a lot of amens except for maybe the older crowd that you're like, yeah, you're right. You tell them younger people. And it's always whatever's 10 years younger than you. That's all that that really is. But uh, here's the deal. So we're going to talk about guardrails and the Bible's full of this stuff. As a matter of fact, when you look at the book of Proverbs, the Proverbs is full of these ideas and wisdom literature and these wisdom ideas on how to prevent your life from being over a cliff. It's full of guardrails. The New Testament has them too. Jesus has them when he talks. The apostle Paul has one that's really, really good. So if you have your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Really cool set of verses. I'm only read like three or four verses, but it's a set of verses where Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus. So if you don't know, Paul was a traveling missionary, theologian, philosopher. He wrote these books. These, he didn't consider it the Bible when he wrote it. They were just letters when he wrote it. We later looked and said, no, these are, these are divinely inspired books that line up with the teachings of Jesus and on and on and on. And so, but when he was traveling, he would go to a city, start a church, gather a group of people, but then later he would write them a letter because he couldn't get back there. It was harder to travel back then, so he couldn't get back to him, so he would write to him. And when he was writing in the book of Ephesus, the, the, the chapter five really is him giving a bunch of things that are good and bad in terms of living for Jesus. So he's like, hey, be, be careful about this, and be careful, and don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this. And that's sometimes the way we see the Bible is a bunch of do's and don'ts, and, and that's, not, that's not a really, really fair portrayal of what the scripture teaches but he's given a bunch of stuff about like sexual immorality or or just morality in general a bunch of things and you gotta remember the 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 ephesian culture was incredibly like two things number one just morally corrupt and then two incredibly sexual so like he's looking at this culture and he's looking at these group of people and he's telling them how to live and things to do and things not to do and I know that that's the way, this is the way you probably feel too. When I get up and do a bunch of this is what you do, this is what you don't do, you're like, well, that's great, but that's really hard. <laughs> do you know where I work? Do you know who I live with? Do you know who I'm dating? Do you know what California's like? Do you know, do you, that's the kickback you give me. Todd, do you really, but do you really know? You, you work at a church, you're surrounded by Christians, it's not that hard for you. I, on the other hand, I, I live in Sodom and Gomorrah. So, you know, what, whatever you feel like, this is probably the way the Ephesians felt like when Paul gave them a bunch of do's. And don't. So it's like, okay, great. So, so what he does is, he does something so brilliant. At this end of do's and don'ts, what he begins to do is, is kind of like give you some wisdom on how to apply that stuff. And he introduces an idea. Everybody say guardrails. So let's dive in. Ephesians chapter 5. And this is what he says. He says, be careful then. Everybody say then. Then is in relation to all that stuff he just told you not to do. So he's like, and in light of like living sexually pure and moral and doing the right thing and being godly in your life and in your choices, in light of that, be careful then how you live. And what he was saying was this, and we're going to walk through each piece of it. He said, be careful, like be thoughtful, be intentional how you live. And the word live there, really the, the real word is walk. So if you've got like a 
New King James version of the Bible to say, be careful how you walk. That's the literal translation of it. And he's saying, hey, you need to know that life is a journey. You're walking on a path and you need to be thoughtful and intentional how you walk. And here, here's why. How many of you have dogs? Any got dogs? Wow, holy smokes. We have a real dog community here. I have two dogs, and if you're a dog owner, you know exactly what I'm talking about because um, we all live in California, and we have small backyards, right? So we have a 10 by 10 plot of grass that we call a backyard, and that's where our dogs go outside to handle their business, right? Track with me here. I know this is not the prettiest illustration, but it's true. Is that when if you if now when we have a, a group of people coming to our house, we're like, hey, kids, go clean up the backyard, go run poop patrol. We've got company coming over. But if you come over impromptu, if you just show up to hang out and say hi or whatever, and then you go into the backyard, you know what I'm gonna tell you? Hey, be careful. Marley and Roxy have been in the backyard. Be careful then how you walk. And anybody knows, because when you go into that backyard, which is a 10 by 10 foot square of grass that you call a backyard, there are only so many places that you can step and you're always like doing one of these. And then if you're married to my wife, anytime you come back in, she's like, check your feet before you get on that carpet. Because she don't want to steam clean them carpets again. So you got to be checking your feet. And so this is what the apostle Paul's saying. He's like, hey, you need to be careful, be thoughtful, be intentional. You don't just walk around my backyard. You will end up with poo on your shoe if you just nilly-willy walking around in my backyard, if you're going to walk around in my backyard, bless God, you are careful, thoughtful, intentional. You are choosing which patches of grass because you don't got that many to choose from, depending on how. Because I have a teenager that does poop patrol, right? It's like Russian roulette back there. You don't know if he actually did it. You don't know when he did it. And you don't even know if he did a good job when he did it. You are walking around at your own risk. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Be careful then how you walk. Look around, look ahead, look at your steps before you take the step. It's not like, oh, and you hear squish, oh, crap. No, 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 it's before, before you take a step, you look around. There was a lot to be said for those seven words. So, so he says this, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. The, the other way that they say this, uh, the, the, like in the New King James or different version of the Bible says, redeeming the time for the days are evil is what we're going to see next. Redeeming the time. And this is, this is where we're talking about, depending on what age you are, do you do this? When you're 20, in your 20s, you look back at your teenage years and you're like, I was so dumb. Thank God I'm so wise now. Right? And then what you don't know is that one day you're going to be in your 30s and you'll look back at your 20-year-old self and you're going to say, I was so dumb. Thank God. Now I'm so wise. And then what you're going to, I assume I'm almost there. You're going to get into your 40s and you're just going to do the same. Do you get into your 40s and do the same thing? Does it ever stop? Okay, good. So I, I, just, I thought I was right, but I had to check. But, but my point is, is that the Apostle Paul saying, you want to live wise, not unwise. That way you can make the most of every opportunity. You can make the most of every decade. You can make the most of every year. You can redeem the time, and that's how you do it. Like, like you need to hear this. This is, this is so big. You've got to be careful that you don't live your life only learning from your own experience. Like, that's a really, really poor way to live life. 
There are lots of people that say stuff like, I've got 20 years of experience, 30 years of experience, and they, say, they, they can talk about everything they learned from their mistakes. And let me get, let me, it is smart to learn from your mistakes. Don't get me wrong there. Or, or, can we all get amen there? It's smart to learn. But man, I'm telling you what's brilliant is learning from other people's mistakes and gleaning from the wisdom that is already available to you if you will just surrender to it. Like if you'll just humble yourself and say, hey, look, I'm not there where they were. I haven't done what they did. I haven't seen what they've seen. Look, this, this Bible, just so you know, a couple thousand years old worth of incredible insight and wisdom into how you do life. He said, hey, the way you redeem the time is through gleaning from wisdom, not just learning from your own dumb mistakes, but gleaning from the wisdom of other people who did it right and sometimes did it wrong and have lived to pass on that wisdom to you. Everybody say, okay. I'm preaching better than your amen, and I just want to throw that out there. So, so he says this, he goes, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most every, of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Now, I know this is what you, you kind of can think about, is you can kind of think like, well, they didn't have to deal with what we have to deal with. He said this 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, before technology existed, before a bunch of new temptations and new things to get ourselves into trouble with. He goes, it's all said that the days are evil. This was a, an incredibly immoral and perverse culture. And he goes, it's, it's, it's like walking around in somebody's backyard. There's little landmines everywhere. You need to be careful because the days are evil. I remember um, this past summer, I got to go to Utah and go on a big hiking trip. Now, Mount Zion is in like the southwest corner of Utah. Anybody ever been to Mount Zion or Zion National Park or whatever it's called? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's so, but you got to drive through the desert to get there. Just heads up. You may want to fly. If not, you're driving through a desert to get there. And then when you get there, it's just so different than like, uh, like South Carolina mountains, so different from that, even different than like the mountains we have over here. It's just so different. And when we're there, they, they tell, because I'm with other people, because I'm not a hiker. I just go with hikers and I do hikey things. So I'm hiking with these other people that know what they're doing and travel and go places. And, they, and they've already scouted this place out. They've already been there before. And there's this one trail and it's called Angel's Landing. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Like, hey, where are you going? Angel's Landing. It's the most beautiful place. It's where angels land. It sounds majestic. And what they don't tell me is is that when we get up, by the way, we're going up these huge steep embankments, there are no guardrails. There's no, there's no guard. And this is the safe place where there's a big carved out trail. But later they get to this other place like, hey, you see, you see that? And we're literally having like two feet that way, there's a cliff that goes straight down. Two feet that way, there's a cliff that goes straight down. There's no guardrails. Some, somebody put a, a thing in the middle that you can hold on to, but there's no guardrails. And they tell me after I'm already up here, hey, six people died here this year, by the way, be careful. It was like, hey, the days are evil. There's a cliff that way. There's a cliff over here. There's cliffs all around. The days are evil. I just want you to know, it wasn't angels landing. It was more like Satan skydiving. It was like, it was like, you're thousands of feet in the air. What Paul was saying is, he goes, life is li it's like angels landing or, or Satan skydiving or whatever, whatever you want to call it. That's what life is like. It's just dangerous. And when there is danger that is on this side and that side, what you need is you need, because you're going to see this in a second, it's, it's where he goes is so brilliant. He goes, he's, you need guardrails. He goes, there's this idea of wisdom. 
redeeming the time. Now, this is where he goes here. Next verse says this. Therefore, meaning in light of what we've been talking about, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, if I know you, like I know you, we, we all want God's blessing in our life. And to do that, we know we want to know God's will. So that's one of the big questions that all Christians ask is, hey, what's God's will for my life? Because I know that's the sweet spot. That's better. That's where blessing, success, that's where hope is, joy is, meaning is. That's where all that stuff. What's God's will for my life? You want God to bless your life. Can I get a, can I get a what, what? Yeah, okay. So, so here's what he's saying, though. He's saying that there's a direct correlation between wisdom and the will of God. See, one of the things that Christians ask me, other than what is the will of God, and, 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 and if you've ever asked this question, like, I'm not trying to put you on blast. I'm not going to name you. But don't ask this question, because it's, it's a terrible question. Remember they said there's no such thing as a dumb question? That's not true. <laughs> this is a dumb question I'm about to give you. So, so every once in a while, a Christian person will come up to me, and this is what their question is. Hey, is it a sin if? Hey, can I do this, and is that a sin? And what they're in essence saying is this. How close to the edge can I get before technically I'm, I'm, I'm not where I ought to be? Like, what, what's the line, Pastor Todd? You're the spiritual guy. You read the Bible. What's the line? So is that a sin or is it not a sin? Notice he doesn't address that. It's not about sin. Like, like foolish people ask the question, how far can I get before I'm truly over the cliff? That's what a, a foolish person would say. How, hey, is this sin or is it, look, you know what question he gives you? This is the question that he ultimately gives you. Well, what is the wise thing to do? That's the real question. Because the will of God, the blessing of God, God's best for your life is not in the arena of sin or not sin. That's where disaster lies, right? The blessing of God and guardrails come when you ask the question, not is that a sin or not? You just would ask the question way back here where guardrails are. You would say, is that even wise? Or not? Do you see the difference in the question? We're not trying to figure out if it's sin or not. We're trying to figure out if it's wise or not. Because wisdom would keep me on the other side of a guardrail. Hello, out there. Okay. So what's the wise thing to do? Like in light of in light of your past experiences, what would be the wise thing to do? In light of your current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? In light of your future hopes and dreams, what would be the wise thing to do? So this is what he does. He goes, hey, when you're trying to walk through life, which is a landmine and there's cliffs and there's disaster everywhere, the question is not how close to the edge can I get? The question is, is what is the wise thing to do? Because then I'll be right in the sweet spot of God's will and blessing for my life. That's where, now, now this is what he does. He gives you an illustration next. So don't focus on the specific. Focus on the big picture of where we're going to go next. So are you ready? Because this is the, ultimately what he's doing here. One thing leads to another. One thing, if you do this, it's going to lead to something else. If you get too close to the edge, it's going to lead to this. So this is what he says. He says this in the very next verse. Do not get drunk on wine, which, le- everybody say, leads to, which leads to debauchery, right? Which we all know what that means, Right? I have no, I had to look it up, okay. I'm like, what the heck? It, I know it's bad. That can't, it doesn't even sound good. Sounds like a disease you could get. Yeah, I had a case of debauchery, you know, like, there's the gout, and then there's debauchery, and then it's just, it's just bad. So um, debauchery, we know is bad. I'll tell you what it means in, in, a, in a minute, but no, 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 no. So anyway, um, but, okay, fo- focus here for a second. So he brings up an illustration. Now, now fo- focus on the illustration now. So he's talking about wisdom, 
The will of God, he's talking about being careful how you live and how you walk. And what he's getting to is the idea of guardrails. Because this, if you break this, it ultimately leads to this. So he uses an illustration. The illustration he uses is probably perfect. He said, don't get drunk on wine. So he uses the idea of drunkenness as like his illustration. And this is kind of how he breaks it down. And, and, and I, people ask me all the time, well, is, is drinking a sin? No. Is drunkenness a sin? Well, I don't know if it's sin. It's definitely foolish. I've never, I've never met a person, I've never once met a person who went through life and their life was going either good or bad. Let's say their life was going bad. And they said, Pastor Todd, you know what happened? You know, this was going into my marriage and this is where my finances were and this is where I was at just as a personal state of being. And you know what? As soon as I added alcohol, everything got better. That's it. That's what I, hey, bourbon turned it around. There's nothing like a bottle of wine that can turn around my issues, Pastor Todd. That's what I believe. And nobody's ever said that. As a matter of fact, many of us, many of us, if we're, if, if we're honest, we know that drunkenness led to incredible pain, regret, addiction. You had a friend. You had a family member. You had a loved one. You had somebody that you cared about. And see, the idea is, is that drunkenness is foolish because what drunkenness leads to, right, cause and effect, what it leads to is this weird thing called debauchery. Now this is debauchery. Now we can put it on the screen. Debauchery is just simply this. It's extreme indulgence that results in a loss of control. And we know that's true about drunkenness, right? Because you lose control. You lose your inhibitions. You lose your sense of like what's right and wrong. You lose your sense of morality. You lose your sense of conviction. You lose motor skills, right? You lose good vision. You lose good sense. You lose all kinds of things. Like you end up with incredible regrets the more drunk that you get, right? Whether it's the way you're going to feel the next morning or the decisions that you, you, you make in the moment, the tattoo you woke up with, whatever your issue was, you know that drunkenness led you to some level of being out of control. And just so you know, this isn't like, again, this is an illustration that he's using, but like you could use this with alcohol. I could say the same thing with lust, with greed, with anger, with food, with materialism. With, like there's all kinds of stuff that drives us over the edge, drives us over the cliff, that messes us up. And what the Apostle Paul's saying is like, hey, you need to use some wisdom. There needs to be a guardrail. Meaning if I don't get drunk, that's the guardrail, I never have to worry about losing control. I don't have to worry about debauchery, right? Like, that, are, you, are you seeing how this works now? So he's saying, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live. Like, be a person that's not trying to find the line and barely stay in it. Be the person that's using wisdom that says, I get that this leads to this. So if I just stay over here, I'm going to be all right. Now, again, it sounds religious. And if you're, if you're out there, you can say, Todd, you know, this sounds a little legalistic. This sounds a little religious. No, it sounds like wisdom. It's not, it's not about whether or not you get into heaven or not, okay? I'm not saying you're going to split hell wide open because you debauched last night, okay? <laughs> Chill out. What I'm saying is, I don't even know if there's a verb, debauched. <laughs> if you debauched, I, th- this isn't a heaven and hell issue. This is not, that's not what I'm saying, What I'm saying is, is I'm trying to get you in the most blessed life possible. I'm trying to pass on to you wisdom that's 2,000 years old and, and, and wisdom that anybody in here with any age or experience or perspective or was just 10 years ahead of you, they'd pass on the same thing. Because they've seen enough cause and effects. They've seen enough damage in their own life. They have enough regrets to where they look at their own life and think, man, I wish I could go back in time. If I knew then what I knew 
now. If I could go back and slap my 20-year-old self in the face, if I could go have a good conversation with my 30-year-old self, if I could, hey, right before you started dating that guy, if I could just go swoop back in and just give you a pep talk, before you started doing whatever it was that you were doing that drove you out of bounds, you would. You would go back and redeem the time because you recognize now that the days were evil. And if you would have just had some guardrails in place, you'd be happier. You'd be more blessed. Your life would be in a better place right now had it only been for a guardrail. So now this is what he does next. Last verse, and we're going to be done here. He he says this. He goes, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, so he's giving you the contrast. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, which is interesting because we're talking really about control, aren't we? Debauchery leads to your having lost control. And what he's saying is this, what I would rather you do, I want you to surrender control. I just want you to surrender control to God. That's where I want you to lose control. If you lose control, it's not to alcohol, it's not to greed, it's not to lust, it's not to any of those things. I want you to lose your control, if anything, to God's spirit. Because this is, and this is what it is. Um, When you become a Christ follower, when you put your faith in Jesus, there's a unseen, supernatural transaction that takes place. And many times we're completely unaware of it. But when we put our faith in Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit begins to dwell within us. And this is why when you become a Christian, do you remember like the first, the first months and years, maybe you were a brand new Christian and all of a sudden stuff that you used to do, you'd go to do and be like, whoa, whoa, that doesn't feel right anymore. Something in your conscience would go off inside of you. Something, some type of warning system would go off inside of you. What was that? That was the Holy Spirit at work within you. As a matter of fact, I have a car. I don't know if I have, I have like a newer car now. I've had, I, I, like my old car was like 15 years old or something like that. So I have a newer car now. And my newer car has newer technology in it. You know what I'm talking about? So in the newer technology, you put that bad boy in reverse. You got a little camera, right? And then when you start to back up, if you, if you got the sensors in it, when your bumper gets close to hitting something, what happens? Beep, 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 and it's annoying. It's obnoxious. It's like, beep, 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 and you, you just hit that brake because you're like, oh, dear God, no, because you don't want to pay for that. And so anyway, you don't want to have to leave a note and have to cross that moral boundary, right? So my point is, is that like, in essence, that's what the Holy Spirit becomes in our lives. It becomes a warning system. There's, when we have a legitimate guardrail in our life, not the sin. We all know when we're in sin. We all know when we fell off the cliff. We all know when disaster hit. We're talking about the guardrail, that when we bump up against something that's just unwise or unhealthy or not good for us, that's unwise, something ought to go bing, 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 bing. It ought to bother our conscience. Now, here's the problem, though. This is just my experience. Maybe yours is different. In my experience, the Holy Spirit never yells at me. It's never allowed. ba 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 it's never a, Jerry, you know, it's, it's never, don't you wish the Holy Spirit would do that? Todd, what are you doing? You know, like, but the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. Holy Spirit doesn't jump in and yell your name. The Holy Spirit doesn't go, ba, 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 stop. Some of y'all have like really fancy cars. The brake just goes for you. You don't even hit the brake, right? The new, the new cars, just, they just break themselves now. And then eventually they'll just drive themselves. And then we'll be controlled by machines. But anyway. And then we'll lose control. I'm just kidding. Anyway, (sighs) my point is that the Holy Spirit normally does not yell at us. And so this is why it's so important. That's why he's saying be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because there's, again, there's a direct correlation between wisdom 
and the will of God, and there is absolutely a direct correlation between being filled or being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and being in the will of God. So if you're wondering, why am I never in the will of God? I would dare to say that like, you don't have the wisdom of God's word operating in your life, and you don't have the voice of the Holy Spirit operating in your life because he's not yelling. You have to be actually in tune. You have to be aware. You have to be establishing guardrails for this to matter. And so I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. Let, let's begin to wrap up here. I don't know what time it is, but if you're taking medicine, it's, it's 11.05. I think I'm pretty good here. So the point that I want to kind of wrap up on is this is that over these next few weeks, we'll get a little more specific. We'll talk about some specific categories today, which is kind of a broad opener. But I want to help you to establish some personal boundaries, some personal guardrails in your life, because I promise you that it will set you up for blessing. It'll put you in the middle of God's will. It'll set you up for success in life because you're not skirting the line all the time. Because here's, here's the thing I know about people. I love people. I'm a pastor. I meet with people. I talk to people. I pray with people. I counsel with people. I genuinely love people people. And my heart breaks when I hear their story. My heart breaks when they tell me of the disaster that they fell into, of the line that they crossed, of the damage and the collateral damage and how it's affected the kids and how it's affected your future. And all. I, I, it breaks my heart. So as a pastor, I'm kind of pleading with you because here's, here's what I know. Nobody plans to mess up their life. They don't do it. Like nobody ever plans to mess up their life. They, they just don't plan not to. They just don't. Listen, listen, listen. Guardrails are how you plan not to. Because see, I know all kinds of people, like again, we could go, I know people that got into incredible amounts of debt. You know what happened? Ultimately, greed was controlling you. It pushed you over an edge. You didn't have boundaries. I know people that got violent, hurt somebody. You know what? You were controlled by your anger. You didn't have boundaries, and you crossed that line. I could go down the list. You, you, you're married, but then you, you started crossing boundaries. Lust was driving you. Like, I, I mean, we can keep going all day long. Like, this is something at some point took control. The Holy Spirit wasn't in control, and there was no guardrail to protect us from going over the edge. So, in closing, I'll just ask this question. If you could, just bow your heads and close your eyes. What I would love for you to wrestle with today, and I know this is not a hoorah sermon, but I promise it could be one of the most powerful it could be one of the most detrimental, it could be one of the most important messages that you have ever heard. So here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Where's the guardrail in your life right now? Are there any? Hey, here's another question. What are you flirting with right now that's going to lead to disaster? Was there an area of your life that as I spoke today, you're like, oh man, I know, this was it. I've been bumping up against this. I've been, I've been riding on the edge. Maybe you've already crossed the line because there wasn't a guardrail there. You just haven't gotten caught or found out yet. Is there an area of your life? Because listen, listen, I, I just don't want you to like, there's a temptation in you to kick back against me. I know this. There's a temptation to say, Todd, look, I'll just be careful. Look, this is, today is being careful. Guardrails is being careful. Like there's a temptation for you to say, hey, look, God will, God will protect me. God will, no, 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 no. This is God protecting you right here, right now, today. He brought you here, this message for you personally. God's protecting you right now, trying to help you establish a guardrail in your life, not because he's angry with you, but because he loves you. See, you need to recognize, and if you're a parent, you get this. If you're a parent, you want your kids to be blessed. You want to set your kids up for success. You want your kids to be protected from the worst of dangers and the worst of disasters. Your God is a heavenly father 
who is only looking out for his kids, wanting to establish some protective boundaries, not because he's mad at you, but because he loves you. He wants to see you blessed in this life. What are you flirting with today? Is there a guardrail that needs to be established? Have you already crossed the line and it's time to repent and to come back? So Father, we pray today, God, as we lift up our our hearts to you and we open up our lives to you, Lord God, we pray, God, come, invade, Holy Spirit, speak. God, I pray that you would so convict our hearts that, God, you would give us the wisdom. What is the guardrail? Where have I been going astray? God, do what it is that you do in the life of the Christ follower who surrenders their life to you. Father, if we've crossed that line, then today, God, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask, God, for your mercy. We repent to you today, God, and say, God, we need to get back on the road. We need to get back inside of the guardrail. God, help us today, Lord. So, Father, I pray for all of these amazing and wonderful people, God. May you speak to them today and over the days to come, God. Bring them in here next week, Lord God, and help set us up for blessing, Lord. Lord, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said amen and amen. Can you give a little big hand clap today? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.